This episode contains descriptions of sexual abuse and rape that can be extremely triggering. In the show notes, there are links and phone numbers to different resources that you or someone you know may find useful if you're struggling with any of the topics discussed in today's episode. What's your secret? Welcome back to another month of Beyond the Secret. My name is Ace Fanning. And I have really missed you guys. So, to make up for it, I am coming back twice this month with a two-part story. And if you have missed your weekly fix of Beyond the Secret, you can always join Patreon using the link in the show notes. But if not, no stress. I'll be back again next month. (sighs) Okay, so when I only share with you guys once a month... I feel a little bit bad to bring you a story that I know is ultimately going to make you cry, but it is such an important story that I think the tears are completely worth it. I think that sex trafficking was a major topic that was talked about in 2020, and while I wish these stories just never existed, I am very thankful to have a platform in which I can share them because I do think that education is so important in trying to put an end to stories like this. I'm going to be extremely candid about my understanding of sex trafficking because I know that I'm not alone in how I thought this all looked. For me, and I've talked about this before, but movies dictate a lot of my life experience. And while there are definitely situations like we see in the movies where women are being kidnapped off the street and then shipped in containers overseas and forced to inject drugs, that stuff happens. But I think I had this false reality of believing that that was the only way sex trafficking could happen. And I think that that belief gave me a false hope that this wasn't happening around me, this wasn't something I could ever see happening to anyone around me, and it made me feel safer and more hopeful. (sighs) But this story showed me a much scarier side a much more personal side of sex trafficking. And it made me realize that it can happen anywhere. And even worse, your abuser can be anyone, even someone you love. This week's secret, I was sex trafficked, part one. Tell me about yourself. I am a 28-year-old mom of two. I am a photographer. I'm a dog mom. I have two puppies. I am a music lover. Played piano my whole life. I love singing. I love playing board games and card games with my kids. And I love crafting and creating, um, just being really handsy, artsy. Who are you as a friend? Like uh, in relationships, what kind of person do you feel like those who know you best would describe you as? I think I would be the, the one that's always trying to make sure everyone's okay. So always reaching out, always making sure that if you're going through something, 
you know that somebody's there listening. And I want to make sure that I'm that person, that I'm always supporting them, listening to them, and making sure that they feel safe with me. So I want to go back to 2010, and I want to know who were you at that point in your life, and what were you going through in your life in 2010? Um, So 2010, I had just graduated from high school. I had just gotten my first apartment with my best friend. I was working at a fast food restaurant, and really just every weekend having parties at our apartment and just kind of being the life of the party, really carefree, not worried about what I was doing, who I was talking to, who I was hanging out with, Um, just trying to have as much fun as I possibly could with my friends. During that time, you meet a guy. Right. And what was your initial impression of him and how how did you meet so his brother was one of my best friends and we actually went to their mom's house to hang out and we were going to go sledding but we didn't have a way to get there so my best friend at the time called his brother who showed up and he had a car so he could drive us to the top of one of the the hills we wanted to go on. And I didn't at the time really notice him as far as anything more than a ride. He was married at the time and I was also seeing someone. So when we first met, there really wasn't like a spark or a connection or anything like that. Um, It wasn't until a few weeks later that anything happened. Walk me through how you guys went from being these acquaintances into that spark. So, like I said earlier, I worked at a fast food restaurant and I worked overnight. And he had a job that kept him out late at night as well. So, he came through the drive through one night and he was like, Oh, hey, you're my brother's friend. We saw each other. And He asked me how I was getting home and I said the bus and he was like, oh no, you're not going to take the bus. I'll I'll drive you home. You live by us. So he started giving me rides home and we were in the car one day and he was like, you are really pretty. And most of the time I say this to girls and they just think I want to sleep with them, but I just think you're so pretty. I was a little taken aback because I was like, you're married. This is kind of weird. but The following day, it progressed to us making out in his truck after he brought me home. Looking back on that entire situation, with the experience that you have now in your life, but not necessarily knowing him like you do now, do you think that he was always trying to get with you? Or do you think that he was trying to be sincere in giving you these rides home? I think knowing him and looking back, there was always an ulterior motive. He was never the kind of person to do something out of the goodness of his heart. It was so that he could get something in return. How did things escalate from that night of making out in his car? We did that for a couple days and I told my boss about it and she said, this is wrong. He's a married man. You cannot do this. So you need to tell him either you stay with your wife and this ends now, or if you want to continue this with me, you have to leave your wife. And I got the courage to finally tell him that. And the following morning, he called me and told me that he took his wife back to her parents' house, left her there, and he was ready to go. First huge red flag that if someone can leave their wife that quickly and like dump them, it's probably a, a bad situation. Yeah, definitely. When he told you that he had left his wife, were you 
and I mean, I'm not talking in regards to like your feelings towards his wife, but like, were you excited that you guys could be together and that he had essentially chosen you? Yes, I was flattered. I felt, and keep in mind, I was only 18 and this was like the first guy that had made any sort of grand gesture towards me. Not that this was a grand gesture, but to me it was. And so I was flattered and I felt important. Yeah, I guess I did. I was excited that he picked me. How old was he? He was eight years older than me. So he was 26 at the time. Okay. And they didn't have kids or anything? No, they didn't have any children together. Talk to me about the relationship that came from him leaving his wife and saying, you know what, I want to be with you. So things moved very quickly. I moved in. So like I said, I had that apartment with my best friend, but I ended up basically staying with him. I was with him all the time, really stopped hanging out with friends, stopped hanging out with family, unless he was there with me. I wasn't able to go by myself, which really should have been another red flag, but I wasn't able to ever go anywhere or do anything unless he was with me. But at the time I thought it was sweet and endearing because he just wanted to spend all this time with me. Okay. I definitely want to ask you about this because do you feel like that feeling of, you know, withdrawing from your friends and family and being around other people was because you were so excited about your relationship or because he didn't feel comfortable with you going out? So now knowing how he is, it was definitely because he wasn't comfortable with me going out, but I perceived it as he just wants to spend time with me and be with me. And it's so new and this is what love is. And how are things when you guys are together? Like, Do you feel like you're in a, other than being secluded from everybody, do you feel like you are in a happy and healthy relationship? So he was very sweet to me at first. He would buy me anything I wanted. We would go out to, you know, out to eat all the time. He would make sure that I had anything that I needed or wanted. Did you feel like you were emotionally cared for? I thought that it was normal. So I felt like he did love me. And, you know, if he would yell at me or get upset with me, it was just because he loved me and he wanted what was best for me. Um, He would spin a lot of things that my friends or family would do. So my roommate, she would get irritated that I wouldn't be home and he would spin it too. She's controlling. She doesn't know what she's talking about when she would bring up concerns about him. She was crazy. My dad was not a fan of him from the start. And so he would, you know, your dad's crazy. Your dad doesn't know what he's talking about. Your dad has no idea. And I thought he was right. I just thought that people were being overbearing and too critical. Do you feel like because everyone was being critical of him that you almost felt like you had to either not talk about him or overcompensate for when he was good? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely felt like I had to bring up all of the good things that he did in order for them to feel comfortable or feel okay with him being around. I want to know, what was your relationship like with your family during all of this? So when we first started dating, my parents and I were really close and there was a distance that was drawn when I found out I was pregnant. They got really upset. How long into the relationship did you find out you were pregnant? 
found out in February and we started dating in December, so three months. When you found out you were pregnant, were you excited at all? I was terrified. I didn't want to be a mom yet. I was just still enjoying life and being young and hanging out with, you know, my friends and knowing that I was now forced to settle down is really what scared me the most. Not so much who it was with, but just the fact that I was now being forced to settle down and stop drinking and forced to grow up. What was his reaction when you told him that you were pregnant? He was very excited. Like I said, he was eight years older. So he had lived a lot of life. So he was ready to be a dad. He was ready to start a family. Um, He felt like he was getting older and needed to settle down. Now, (laughs) he had the year before we got together just done a seven-year stint in prison. So he was ready to get out and settle down and start a life. And I was that person that gave that to him. What was he in prison for? So he was in prison for um, sex crimes. When you met him, did you know that? When I first met him, I did not. His brother, who I was friends with, said, you know, he's a bad guy. He did some bad things. You don't want to get involved with him. And I thought, yeah, you're his brother. Of course, you'll say whatever you want about him. But I didn't know the extent of it until later. So you're 18. You find out you're pregnant. How are you coping with the pregnancy? I was in denial about it. I didn't really accept it at first. I was really, really sick. So I just kind of secluded myself and didn't really talk to people about it, didn't bring it up at first. It was really, really shocking for me and was really hard for me to process. How did he treat you during your pregnancy? At first, it was great. He was super supportive when I was sick. He would help me feel better, get me things and, you know, make me food and make sure I was taken care of. But probably four months in, he started to get really secretive with his phone. He would disappear for hours and sometimes days. I wouldn't know where he was, what he was doing. If I would ask, you know, hey, where were you? Why didn't you come home for two days? He would tell me I was crazy and that I was overreacting and that I had no idea what I was talking about. He was never gone. Just flat out never gone. Like, does he think that you had amnesia or something? Yeah, he never admitted to being gone. Or if he was gone, he was oh, I went to my mom's and I fell asleep. But I would call his mom and she would have no idea where he was. So he was lying about where he was, where he would go. And so finally, one day he was home and fell asleep. And I picked up his phone and checked three text messages to find out that where he was all of these times was with his ex-wife. and. He was essentially pimping her out. Oh, God. Okay, so if you remember, like, what were those text messages saying? Because that seems like a lot of heavy information to just find in some text. Yeah, so it was saying, hey, I found this guy at this place at this time for this much. What do you think? And she would say... I'm not comfortable going there, move it here, and then I'm fine. And then, oh, I found three guys for this much at this place. And she would say, okay, that's great. I'll see you there. Did you confront him with those text messages? Yes. I brought it up and I was 
furious. I was hurt. I was disgusted. I was scared um, because I was pregnant with his child. And he again said I was crazy. I had no idea what I was talking about, that I was at fault for getting into his phone, that it was all my fault. So I did at that point pack up all of my stuff and moved back into my apartment with my roommate. But within a week, he had apologized and sweet-talked me into moving back in with him for the sake of our unborn child. I want to ask you kind of a really shitty question, but I think that it's a really important one to ask you right now. And I've never asked anyone this story or this question, but I feel like I've dealt with guys like your ex in these stories. And I know that somebody out there listening is being a piece of shit in their head. And they're like, well, how could you go back after you found that out? I'm curious if you could walk me through what that apology looks like. Like when they just love bomb you, what is it that he says that really allows you to move forward? So he got me flowers every day. There was flowers showing up. He would call me every day, leave messages, text me. I'm so sorry. I blocked her number. I'm never going to talk to her again. We're about to have a child together. I want to do this with you. I don't want our son or daughter to grow up in a broken home. And I did grow up in a broken home. My dad lived on one side of the United States and my mom lived on the other side. And that was awful growing up that way. And so him saying, I don't want our child to grow up in a broken home said to me, you have to make this work for this baby. And that's tough because that is something that you grew up experiencing, probably not something that you ever loved. And it's the perfect way, I think, to play on your emotions and and bring that guilt to you. Exactly. And I didn't want my child to ever experience missing one of us because we were separated. And I also think it's important for people to realize that there is a promise of changed behavior. So he's saying, hey, you know, I've blocked her. Whatever we were doing was stupid. I'm not going to do this anymore. Right. So there was a promise of I'm going to do better and I'm going to be better for you and the baby. And I held on to that with everything that I had. When you go back to him, how long would you say things were good for? I would say things were great for probably two or three weeks before he started having a problem with how often I was at work or how often I was with friends or if I went and saw my family, I was gone too long. So I ended up quitting my job and moving in with him full time so that I could be where he was so that I wouldn't have to deal with where are you? What are you doing? So obviously with quitting my job, you can't pay rent. So we wound up losing the place that we were living in. So we moved into his mom's house and I'm pregnant. He is not working. I'm not working. And there was a total of 13 people living in a two-bedroom, one-bath house. How awful was that? It was awful. Yeah, it was terrible. But at the time, I was like, okay, I'm going to I'll find a better job and we'll get our own place and then I'll have the baby and it'll be okay. This is just temporary is what I kept telling myself that all of these bad moments were temporary and all of his blow ups and anger problems were because of where we were. So I got a different job where I was making decent money 
and I was able to find us a house. So we were able to move into a house and waiting for the arrival of our baby. But then he started disappearing again. During any of this, is he working at all? No. So he did not work the entirety of our relationship. About eight months in, he started applying for like social security and got that ball rolling. So about a year into our relationship, he was getting small social security benefits, which was contributing a little bit. When he started to disappear again, what went through your mind? In my head, I thought there's no way he is talking to his ex-wife because after um, I found out about what they were doing, she filed a restraining order and he wasn't allowed to contact her. I knew it wasn't that, but it didn't feel right either. So he was going out and really just finding other women, whoever, and just cheating, sleeping around while I'm, you know, at home carrying our child and preparing our house for a newborn baby. And also working to pay for everything. Right. Exactly. How often would you say that he would disappear? Weekly. Um, He'd be like, oh, I'm going to go get food. And he would leave his wallet at the house. And then two hours later, he'd come home and say, oh, I forgot my wallet. Like, we live in a pretty big city. (laughs) There's fast food within five minutes of where we live. So there's no reason that it takes you two hours to figure out you left your wallet at home. And then he would grab his wallet and go and come back three hours later with food. When he would do that, would you confront him about it? You know, I would say that doesn't make sense how long it took you. I don't, you're not making sense. Like, I know that you're lying to me. What are you actually doing? And it would just start an argument and he would scream at me and tell me how stupid I was and that I was crazy and that I had no idea what I was talking about and that I didn't know how traffic was and that I had no right to question him. At the time, were you thinking that he was going around and just sleeping with other people? Or did you think maybe he was getting into drugs or even crimes because of the fact that he had been in prison? So I really didn't know. At the time, I had no idea. The worst that I thought he could be doing was getting in trouble with the law, like getting pulled over or you know, getting in trouble with the cops. But one day I again checked his phone and saw that he was texting multiple women and making plans. Oh, let's go here for dinner. I'll meet you here for really just like a quick hookup. I'll meet you here for this. So he was seeing multiple women at a time. But I didn't find that out until after I gave birth. To our son. How was he? Well, two questions. One, how was he meeting this women to even like get their numbers to want to hook up? And then two, you had said that he had said sometimes like, oh, let's meet here for dinner. Like, is he taking these women out with his social security money or is it your money? Yeah. So um, the first question, he was using, so this is before like Tinder and all of that, he would use Craigslist was like the hip way to meet people. So he met a lot of people on Craigslist. And yeah, I was putting, without knowing, I was putting the bill for all of these dates. My wallet would go missing um, or my debit card would go missing or my dad, he would very sneakily slide me like 50 bucks if I'd go and see him or 20 bucks or, you know, and I would hide it in a slot in my wallet and that would go missing, but it was never him. It was always, 
well, this person was in your, our house or this person came over yesterday. But these are people that I had known my whole life that I know would never do that. So I was putting the bill for all of this. Did you think that the birth of your son would be enough to change him? I really hoped that bringing a baby home would occupy his time enough that he wouldn't have time to meet women or go on these dates or have the free time to even want to leave the house. I thought that, okay, we would have our baby and we would have this family and we'd be able to start over, essentially. But the day that I gave birth, um, I gave birth to my son at 7.59 a.m. My dad and my mom and my sisters were there and he ended up getting into a screaming match with my dad in the hallway. And it was all because my dad wanted to see the baby. He said, no one's going to see my son. He's my baby. You're not going to see him until I say you can. But I had, I did not know that this happened until later, much later. So I would say probably a year later, my dad finally told me what had happened in the hospital. But that night, our hospital's in the downtown area of our town. So that night he went out and drank with a friend to celebrate becoming a dad. And when he came back to the hospital, he was drunk and he disappeared again. And this time he had found another hospital room and went to sleep in another room the night after I gave birth to my son. So it really, these ideas that I had of, we'll have a baby and we'll be a family and we'll finally, everything will be okay, came crashing down the day that I had him. What was he like as a dad? At first, he was very attentive. He was very loving. He was all about our son. He made sure that he was happy and healthy. And he would help at first, I would say probably for the first couple weeks, he would help with him if I needed help with feeding or changing diapers. But probably a month into it, he really, it was just, he would play with him while he was happy. And then I would handle him if he was upset or needed to eat or needed to be changed. Did he still disappear just as much when you guys had your son? Um, no. So we had our son in October and about eight weeks later, so I'm only eight weeks postpartum, he came to me and said, well, we have no money. We have no diapers. We have a huge electricity bill because I'm on maternity leave, so I haven't been working. We're only getting these tiny checks from Social Security, which that doesn't pay for anything. And so we needed diapers. Our electricity was about to be shut off, and we really had no food in our house. So he said, the only thing, like the only option we have is for you to sleep with someone so that they can give us money so that we can buy diapers for our son. What the fuck went through your mind when he said that? I was, I was shocked. And instantly I said, no, there's no way. I, I will call my mom or I'll call my dad and I'll ask them to buy us diapers. There's no way I'm doing this. And that made him angry. That made him very angry. He was not going to rely on my dad for anything. He wasn't going to rely on my parents. We were going to figure it out. So for two days, he just belittled me, tore me down, told me what a terrible mom I was, told me that our son 
was suffering because of me, that it was my fault. And so I finally broke and I caved. When you finally caved into what he was suggesting, what did he say to you? Like, did what did he say was going to happen? Like, how would he find this person? Who would this person be? How would it all happen? He already had it set up. So he already had someone basically waiting and ready to go. So he had this guy show up. Um, We had a roommate at the time. So he said, oh, that this man was going to come check out the electrical in our attic and that I would go with him to make sure he didn't go through any of our stuff. And the entrance to the attic was in our bedroom. So our roommate thought nothing of it. So this guy came over. We went into the bedroom. It was incredibly awkward to start something with someone that you've never met before. So we just kind of started, went into it. And like I said, I was eight weeks post-delivery. So I was still having some bleeding um, from birth. And that upset this guy that that was happening. And I was like, okay, well, we can stop. We can be done. You don't have to pay. It's fine. You can leave. And he said, no, I'm going to get what I came here for. And held me down, finished, and left. What were you feeling during all of that? I was terrified. I truly thought that there was no coming back from this. It was terrifying. Um, I cried for days. And he promised that it would never, ever happen again. He would never put me in that position again. And I trusted him because he said he loved me all in the same breath. I have so many things that I want to ask you about. But to start, I'm curious about the man who came into your home and who's essentially looking for uh, an escort. Like, I know that's I know that's not what you were, but I know that's probably what your ex told him. Like, what was this guy like from what you could tell? He was sleazy and slimy. He had dark black hair that was slicked back. He was thin. He was dressed in a suit. He had very strong cologne on. His teeth were messed up. He was just very slimy. Before even walking into the house, I could just tell that he was not a decent guy. Do you have any idea how much he paid to be there? So it was supposed to pay our electricity bill. And I believe that was roughly $200. Um, So he called in a payment or went to a payment center, but he wrote a bad check. So our electricity got shut off anyways. Are you fucking kidding me? No. What did your boyfriend say about that? He was pissed. He was so mad that he didn't get what he was promised to get, which was the money for our electric bill. And did your boyfriend find him from Craigslist? Yeah. Yeah, that's where all of this, all of the people that, he found was through Craigslist. After that time, did you think that this was like a one and done situation? Yeah. I thought this was a terrible experience. 
there's no way that he would make me do this again or put me in this situation again because he told me he wouldn't and he told me that he loved me and if you love someone you don't put them in situations like this and i'm gonna guess that it wasn't the last time no it took probably a month before it happened again he said let's go get food you know we packed up the baby got in the car and drove a really long ways and i was like why are we driving this far we drove to the next state over which was about a 45 minute drive and he's like oh there's a place here that i want to go like this is the best one we have to go here and he pulled up to a hotel and said go to room 205 and that's how you're gonna make the money for us to get food Otherwise, we drove out here for no reason, and we don't have gas to get home. And your baby is in the car? Yeah. So, because my son's in the car, I can't not do it. I can't have my son stranded in another state without a way to get home. So, I did what I had, what I felt I had to do in that moment to survive. I'm gonna ask you this question and I'm curious about, you walk into the room and I imagine that whether or not you're visibly upset about being there, whatever, but clearly you're not in this, you're not excited about this and it makes you wonder what kind of person is in that hotel room waiting for you and is just doesn't even give a shit about how you're feeling or what you're going through that he's just like, listen, I'm, I'm looking to fuck. Right. This guy was, was actually really, this was the only person that was ever nice to me um, was the second time. And he offered me water, which I didn't take because I just thought, what if he put something in it? Because, you know, that's when my this is a problem kicked in was with the water, not the entire situation. But he was kind and was like, okay, well, we can start whenever you're ready and let me lead. So, yeah, this was the only one that was could tell that there was a problem. I wasn't there because I wanted to be, but still he was paying for something. So he wanted to get what he paid for. And do you know how much he paid? That time I believe was like a hundred dollars. And while all of this is going on, your boyfriend is just sitting outside in the car waiting for you? Yeah, with the baby. How long did that experience last for? So that specific one, or how long did he have me doing this? That specific one. So that took probably an hour. And for that entire hour, are you just terrified of what could happen? Like, does your boyfriend have any sort of idea like if what if this guy took out a knife and started stabbing you five minutes into it or you know were you thinking about those things or were you just trying to focus on I got to do this I got to get this done get the money so we can leave yeah I was just focused on it has to be over and then I can get back to my baby and that's all that I was focused on When you get back to the car, what does your boyfriend say? He asks me for the money, and I think they had agreed on more, but I only had $100, so he was mad. 
that I only brought back $100. But he didn't think to go back to the guy in the hotel room or anything like that? No. He was mad at me, told me that it was my fault that I didn't get everything, and sped off, drove home, and yelled at me from that hotel all the way home. Emotionally, how are you feeling during that ride home? I felt like I did something wrong by not getting everything that I was supposed to, that I was told I should have gotten. I was scared that it would continue, that he would keep yelling at me and keep belittling me. So I just told him he was right and that I was sorry and that we can just go home and I'll make dinner. It'll be fine. I just kept trying to diffuse rather than have him scream at me for an hour. When all of this is going on, did it ever cross your mind to open up and tell anybody about what he was making you do? Never. I, at one point, told him probably the fourth or fifth time that this happened. I said, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. It feels wrong. I don't like doing this. I'm done. And he said, if you stop, you will lose our son. If anybody finds out about what you're doing, you will lose the baby. So I was terrified to tell anyone because that little boy was the only thing that was keeping me going. During this time, when all of this is going on, are you and your boyfriend having sex? Yeah, we are. And that's another, if I tried to say, no, I don't want to tonight, or like I have a headache or, you know, whatever, I just don't want to, he would get angry, very angry, and would just keep persisting until I would finally give in. And so eventually I just stopped fighting. At what point did you discover the details surrounding his stay in prison? Like more than just sex crimes, like when did you learn what he was actually there for? So I had actually gotten into a car accident. I took my foot off the brake of my car and just rolled into the car in front of me. And I didn't have a license or insurance. So the guy rightfully called the cops and a state trooper came out and she took my information and took his and she pulled me out of the car and walked me back to her car and said, I just want to know if you know who you're with. shared quite a few stories on Beyond the Secret that deals with abusive relationships. And I went into this interview only knowing that her ex was not a good guy. So you listen to this episode with the title leading you to assume what was going to happen. And I can't, I feel like I can't even fully explain my shock when I heard her story the first time. There was just this overwhelming sadness mixed with anger that just came over me. Like I could feel my skin getting hot as she shared the things that she's been through. And there's still so much more story to come. But 
if by chance you have stumbled across this podcast and you are in this situation or you worry about someone close to you being in a situation like this, or maybe you've been through a similar situation already, whatever it is, if you somehow connect with this story, even in the tiniest bit, after doing this interview, I dug into researching this topic and I found out that this scenario is a lot more common than you think. And I I just want people to know that you can get out, even if it feels like you can't, even if it feels like there's absolutely nothing you can do, you can get out. And I also think it's important that you know that you do not deserve any of this. No matter what any piece of shit abuser tells you, you are worthy of so much more. So please do not lose hope. If you can't keep fighting for yourself, then you got to reach out. You have to allow someone else in so that they can start fighting for you. And if you are someone who is allowed in, you have to do everything in your power to help. You have to listen. And you have to be this person's advocate. At the beginning of the episode, I talked about the resources linked in the show description. And so... If you need to read those, I hope that you go to those and I hope that they are helpful. Thank you guys for listening. I will see all of you next week. Everybody has a secret. <laughs>